Hey everybody, welcome back to the Introversion Podcast. This is episode 49. We are almost to number 50. It's coming up right around the corner. So, um, how are you guys doing? Uh, I'm quite curious how you all felt with Facebook going down a couple of days ago. Or, I can't even keep track of the days. Uh, whether it was yesterday or the day before, I don't even know. I think a couple of days ago, but... Um, Whatever, that just happened, and then there's this whole whistleblower thing, which... Uh, she says she agreed to take the job only if she could work against misinformation. I call bullshit when I heard the thing she was saying. When I see somebody who's a whistleblower on 60 Minutes, it's like, oh, God. You know, which is strange, because I used to watch 60 Minutes as a kid. I mean, not that I wanted to, but my parents watched it, so I watched it by proxy. And, um, you know, when you're a kid, even today, if you're a kid, I don't think you would know any better. And as a kid, I, w I didn't know any better. Like you just see the news people on TV and whatever they tell you, that's the truth. And that's it. Nothing more to it. Um, but obviously I'm a jaded, disillusioned, you know, cynic now, you know, I've been called a conspiracy theorist and whatever. Uh, I know people, I have certain friends who are way more conspiracy theorists than I am, but yeah, I want to get into uh i want to get into the facebook situation and i'm not actually gonna i'm not going to talk about the whistleblower and all that shit if you if you're curious about my views on it or what the fuller story is go watch steven crowder's show ladder with crowder on youtube although i know a lot of people who can't really stomach him they just don't like the the brand of humor or whatever but for the most part i like it i actually highly recommend ladder with crowder since he came back from his heart condition. So I think the show's been pretty good. The show's been pretty good the last couple of weeks since it came back. So, but yeah, I'm not gonna, I'm not going to talk so much about the, uh, the whistleblower and all that shit. But what I am going to talk about is social media. And I wanted to play around with the title for this episode and sort of the graphic visual, like how I wrote it out and whatnot, because you can read into it however you feel like, you know, at the moment, depending on how you glance at it. It's like, is this episode about being anti- social media or is it a play on words where it's like anti-social media and and that's really i mean i can kind of see it both ways uh it, it's one of those bittersweet double-edged swords you know where it's like i use social media you know if you're listening to this now you probably use it too what i, I wonder what your social media platforms are of choice whether you're a Facebook guy or a Twitter girl or a Pinterest uh, binary gender, whatever, you know. So as far as it goes for me these days, which it's always continually evolving, so I don't even know what these days means, but uh, it's mostly Facebook for me. And uh, I haven't posted on my Jay Caslow Instagram, which you should still go follow if you... Uh, <laughs> If you want to keep in touch when I do start posting again, which I think I might actually start posting again soon. I'm about to go on this trip south and explore the Carolinas and Georgia and Florida. So it's going to be a really interesting trip coming up. So stay in tune for that on the Introversion Podcast because I'm actually going to be bringing my equipment with me and trying to record shows and post on the road. So 
Um, if all goes well, I will post some short episodes. Maybe there will be video kind of vlogging style for, uh, you know, my experience in, or actually I'm not going to be going into Charleston. I'm going to be checking out Somerville mostly. I might swing through Charleston, but it's going to be mostly Somerville, which is right outside Charleston. And then going to be checking out Savannah, Georgia and, uh, or Orlando and, uh, you know, I mentioned earlier about meeting uh, Michael Malice and uh, Tom Woods at uh, Tom Woods' 2000th episode event coming up. So I'm stoked for that. And um, after that, maybe you're going to check out Tampa and Nashville, but uh, still kind of filling out certain legs of the trip. But anyway, stay tuned. Subscribe if you haven't yet subscribed to the YouTube channel. If you're watching now on YouTube, just there's the button right in front of you. Hit that red subscribe button and uh, sign up for updates and you'll be the first to see when new episodes get posted. So yeah, I'm looking forward to this trip. Um, but yeah, back to sort of me and my relationship with social media right now. It's crazy because for me, last year, the last couple of years, I think Instagram was my main thing. And I think it was just due to the algorithm or, you know, whatever. But I used to post drawings, illustrations. Like if you haven't, if if you're if if you only know me through this podcast and you enjoy this, that's great. But if you go check out my Instagram, like I mentioned earlier, Instagram.com uh, slash jcaslow, I posted drawings and illustrations and animations and just kind of random art and cool cool visual stuff for the last several years. And I used to, I was growing with my followers and I used to get, you know, 50 likes or 80 likes, sometimes a hundred plus likes. And it was just like, it was kind of my nightly ritual. Like I would, you know, I work, you know, this was back when I was in New York and I might go to my job and feel tired at the end of the day, just, you know, being a pair of hands, like I mentioned about in the, in the last episode you know, doing client work, working for the man. But then to end my day, I would feel like, you know what, I don't want to let this day go by and I didn't really do anything creative. So I would just open up Illustrator and Photoshop and or a sketchbook or whatever and just draw something off the top of my head, create a little character or cartoon or something and, uh, you know, bring it into Photoshop, touch it up a little bit and post it on Instagram. And... It was just a nice way to conclude my day, you know, to get a little bit of creativity in and, you know, just kind of channel that artistic flow and do something for me, not so much for the man or the clients or whatever, right? So that was a nice way to end. And I would look at my phone and um, the likes would just start trickling in and be like, okay, cool. And I'd go to bed and wake up and grab my phone when I wake up and look at just the litany of more Instagram likes. And I wake up and it's like, oh wow, 37 more people liked the drawing I did or the illustration and four more people followed me. Great. So this isn't arbitrary that I'm getting into this. This isn't a side note. This is actually quite relevant to the topic today of social media and whatnot because this was, and I emphasize was, my social media experience. And I'm talking, you know, 2015, 2016, even before that. Um, 
this all started to go south. I don't remember when exactly, maybe like 2017, 2018. A lot of things really just started to go south uh, for me with regard to social media um, and my social life and just social dynamics in general and dating, like friendships. And a lot of this kind of started to deteriorate in different, weird, strange ways. Like the timing corresponds with me leaving New York, but I don't blame it on New York because I'm glad I left New York. Like when I went back to visit New York, I just felt like the place was changing, not completely congruous with how the internet was changing or social media was changing, but there were definitely parallels there. And I just felt like it was not changing for the better. And, you know, part of it maybe is this whole Trump thing and the Trump derangement syndrome, and it really just set people off. Like leftists became more leftists and Republican conservative types just became more that way. But I don't even know what that is because there's a whole band of Republicans who didn't like Trump. So, but according to leftists, they just hate all the Republicans, whether they didn't like Trump or not. I don't know. But let's face it, however you describe this, shit got a lot messier during the Trump administration. And I'm not going to blame that all on Trump himself. I mean, obviously, the guy was not a guy who smooths things out, you know. And that's always been part of my criticism of him is that he didn't, he wasn't great at, you know, smoothing things out, bringing people together on both sides of the aisle. And obviously not that Biden is good at that either because, you know, let's go, Brandon, right? That's the thing now, let's go, Brandon. Uh, which warms the cockles of my heart to see that in the football stadiums right now. But um, yeah, people hate Joe Biden. People hate Joe Biden. People hate Trump. You know, and uh, it just bothers me so much because whether you're on the left or the right, I feel like we've all lost sight of what's more important in life. And that being happiness, that being connection, that being joy and satisfaction and creativity and ideas and humor and innovation and I mean, these are a lot of things that I enjoy that I uh, I find make life worth living. And that is kind of the point I'm going to be getting to here in this little chat today is that I want to talk about social media in sort of relation to life itself, right? So I'm, I'm kind of talking about IRL, like real life versus online, digital life, social media, whatever you want to call it, internet life. What the hell is going on? Like, what is this really, right? <laughs> if you're not happy with your social media experience, if you're not happy with your real life experience, what are you doing about it? Or what are you going to do about it? Or what can you do about it? You know? Do we have to just accept the things that come our way and just continually adapt to the new rules of engagement, to the new algorithms, to the new whatever they throw at us and say, this is the way it is now. We just have to accept this mandate or that mandate and inject this into your body and always wear a mask. And, oh, you got vaccinated. You don't have to wear a mask. And like, oh, actually, 
no, you do still need to wear a mask. And actually, you're not fully vaccinated anymore. You need to get this booster shot. And actually, that booster shot's only going to last for five months of effectiveness to quote unquote protect you from a virus that you had a 99.9% chance of surviving anyways, if you just got it naturally. Plus, your natural immunity would be even stronger than this booster shot. But anyway, I digress. I don't know. Like, I just feel like whether you're left or right, like this is what we are all facing on a daily basis. And I, I guess a lot of people don't think about it that much. I mean, this is what I do on the Introversion Podcast. I think about things. I, um, I think about things. Yeah? Yeah. What kind of things? Then I overthink things and... That's what we're do. That's what we're doing here, right? Uh, really analyzing and breaking breaking things down. Like this is what INTJs do, you know. And uh, that's what this podcast is largely about: is not just taking a life at face value and accepting it, and just being like, okay, that's what it is. That's it. Just accept it, and that's it. That's life. Because uh, that level of status quo, like I'm not cool with that. Like that is not going to be how I live my life, or at least that's not how I want to live my life. And I'm going to try to do what I can to break free of that status quo life, like doing things because you're supposed to do them or just keep complying or keep obeying. And they keep, you know, dangling carrots in front of us, our freedom or life getting back to normal. And you do what they say. And then they're like, no, well, you know, nope, sorry, it's changed. Now you got to do something else. And now you got to do something else. And now you got to do this. And now you got to do this. And I'm like, look, fuck that. Fuck that. You know, I, I don't know what your breaking point is or if you have a breaking point or if you're the kind of person where you're just always going to continually do whatever Fauci and the government tells you to do. If they say Christmas is canceled, you're just going to be like, okay, well, I guess I can only have Christmas with three people instead of the seven people that I love. Or what you know, whatever your situation is, or are you just going to be like, "Fuck that"? This is my life. I've looked at the data, analyzed the risks, and I'm like, you know what? We're going to live our lives, even if this is our last Christmas alive. You know, it'll be a Christmas worth remembering, or whatever. You know, so again, these are all different attitudes that people can have across the whole spectrum. Whether you're young, you're old, you're obese, whether you're healthy, you know, whether you're liberal, conservative, Republican, Democrat, it's like, it's up to you to decide how you want to live your life, you know? And if this is truly a free country in America, like that is how it should be, you know, the freedom to live your life freely as you see fit. Um, that's what it should be. But, you know, I don't, I don't know whatever the fuck this is, where it's heading, but it's becoming increasingly more. I mean, you hear this rhetoric from Fauci and from Biden talking about, well, you know, it's not really about your freedom anymore. It's not about your freedom anymore. Uh, we, we, we let you have your freedom for a little bit, but now, you know, you need to just sacrifice yourself. You need to do what's good for everybody else, what's good for the country, what's good for the collective whole. And we're going to tell you what it is that's good for everybody. Forget about our own financial interests. Forget about the fact of gain of function that we funded NIH and all that and the Wuhan lab and all this stuff. Like, forget about all that. We are trustworthy. You know, go back to 2008 and the financial crisis. The same people who profited and fucked everything up. The big banks are too big to fail. So we got to bail them out. 
So the people who fucked up, like, let's reward them in golden parachutes and all that stuff. And back then it was like Occupy Wall Street. You know, people gathering together to fight against that, the 99% against the 1%. Look how that played out. Now all those, they, they introduce identity politics and even amongst the 99%, BLM, Antifa, all this shit, like, and all this trans stuff and activists and, you know, woke, intersectional, third wave feminism and all this stuff, like people, division, 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 everybody fighting amongst themselves. <sighs> while the 1% get richer and richer, you know? Uh, I just saw Dr. Mercola and, and RFK Jr., right? That whack job conspiracy theorist, right? One of the Kennedys, RFK Jr., banned from YouTube? Okay, all right. And then there was this graphic that I saw going around today on Facebook that was marked by Facebook as sensitive material is potentially harmful or dangerous. And I, I clicked through to see what the image was and it was like, really? That? Oh my God. So anyway, this is me bitching about the state of affairs and the internet and social media, right? And are you cool with this? Do you like the Facebook experience? Do you like the Twitter experience? Does it enrich your life? Do you feel smarter and more informed for it? Do you feel like it saved your life? Like if you didn't hear from Fauci and all of the mainstream news and all of these sources and Biden telling you, if you didn't do all those things they told you to do, thank God that they told us to do all those things. Because if you didn't, You'd be dead right now, so you owe them a, some gratitude for saving your life because otherwise you would have been one of those poor unvaccinated people who's dead right now, right? So like me and so many other people are dead right now, right? Because we didn't get the Pfizer jab, right? Oh my God, this episode is turning into just me ranting about all this shit. And it is related to the main topic here, but I'm going to shift gears a little bit and take my foot off the pedal of my quote-unquote conspiracy rants here. So, yeah. Um, all that being said, let's focus on social media. Let's talk about Facebook. Let's talk about algorithms. Let's talk about life. And I don't know how many of you saw this documentary last year called Social Dilemma. Uh, I took some notes when I watched it last year, and... Um, it was really great. It was a really great documentary. I was going to do a specific episode on it, but that's so old now. People have It's old news. People have forgotten about it now. But with Facebook going down the other day, I kind of went back and looked through my notes from that and time codes, and I thought, you know what? This would be a great moment to just talk about the social dilemma and the points brought up in that documentary and what just happened a couple of days ago with Facebook going down and bring it all together into this one episode. So like one of the things I wanted to talk about back then, if I were going to do that episode on the social dilemma that is very relevant to Facebook going down and my feelings and experience about it the other day is I want to talk about like the early internet. And some of you listening to this now might be younger. So maybe you're a Gen Z if you're a millennial, you can probably relate because you're just under underneath where sort of where I am at age-wise. But like, 
if you're a Gen Z, you might have only been two years old or three years old or whatever at the time. Because I'm talking about early 2000s when the internet was... Well, I let's see. I, I started using the internet during college, so like mid-90s. Before that, there was like AOL. Great times. ICQ chats and AOL chat rooms. Good times, actually. Because it was novel and it was fun and and you know listening to in retrospect listening to people like Brian Gubble and them talking on the Today Show about what is this internet thing? <laughs> there it is, violence at NBC GE com. I mean, well, what Allison should know. What, what do you is say internet anyway? So Allison, can you explain what internet is? And this electronic mail and just it's so tacky now listening to it. In retrospect, I mean, it makes for a good laugh, but that was like seriously how people were reacting. Adults, you know, boomers back then, Gen Gen Xers, I guess, and boomers, how they were reacting to this new internet technology back then. It was like this foreign thing. It was a scary thing. It was like, watch out, you're going to get swindled or you're going to get abducted by the evil, scary people on the internet. And you know, all this fear that everybody's a pedophile or a child abductor or whatever, you know, or everything is a scam artist or whatever. And I'm like, all of that fear, right? And somehow I navigated the internet as like a teenager or 20 something in the late 90s and early 2000s. And I was fine. I never got kidnapped, never got abducted, never got hustled, never got raped, never got whatever. Yeah, I'm a guy, but you know, again, I'm curious, like if you're a female listening here, did, did, did the internet do you harm and bad in the early two thousands and somehow Facebook came along and Google and all of a sudden then you stopped getting swindled. And then all of a sudden you felt safe on the internet. Is that really, is that what your experience was? If it was, Shoot me an email, tell me about it, or comment in the YouTube comments here in the section. Because, like, I'd love to hear your story about how the internet was so bad before Facebook, right? Um, and it was just scary. It was a scary place, right? It was full of Nazis and evil people. And, yeah, if you have those stories, share them. Because I don't have any of those stories to share. What I can tell you about is I love the internet Back then, I love the early days. I'm talking late 90s, early 2000s, before Facebook, before YouTube. Before the dark times, before the empire. Although YouTube was great when it first came out, you know. For those of you who don't know this, it was its own thing until they got bought by Google. And then it became something else. And like most things, it was a gradual process, a slow boil. Yeah, so when Facebook went down a couple of days ago, for me, it was a kind of a glorious thing. And what did I do with my day, with my time? I just was productive. I was looking at stock video animation clips on Envato, and I downloaded a bunch of cool stuff and uh, was just checking things off my to-do list and working on a little bit of this, a little bit of that. I went to the gym the other day, like just living my life without Facebook. And I was like, wow. This is great. This is great. And 
Maybe you felt this too, a part of you. There was a part of you that was like, I don't want Facebook to come back. I just want it to be, to continue to be gone, to continue to be down. Like, let it just be down forever. And that's interesting. Whether you thought that or not, I've just planted that seed in your head. So I want you to take a moment and think about that. Think about when Facebook went down for a day, if it just stayed down. If it just stayed down and it never came back. No more Facebook. Like, whatever you got to do, close your eyes, imagine it, think about it. No more Facebook. What would that mean to you? What would your life look like? What would your day-to-day look like? When you pick up your phone, what would be different? When you're walking down the street, when you're looking to pass time, when you're in the bathroom or in a boring meeting or whatever it is, or in class or whatever, however you use your phone or social media, how would it be different? And obviously, not just Facebook, but Instagram also went down. So just think about it. And if you don't use Facebook or Instagram, fine. Whatever it is you use, uh, TikTok, Snapchat, uh, Twitter, Pinterest, whatever. Whatever it is that you use, whatever social media means to you. Imagine it went down the other day. Imagine it went down today. And imagine it's not coming back tomorrow. What would you do? How would you feel? Think about it. Because I think it is something to really... I mean, I don't know how many of you are into meditation. I've been hearing about meditation for years. I just personally have never really gotten into it. I I just, I try to meditate and I just hear every distraction and I I don't know. And maybe that's a problem. Maybe I need to meditate to get better at not being able to meditate. I don't know. Maybe it's like practicing or, you know, working out a muscle that gets stronger. I don't know. But for whatever reason, I never really got into meditation. But I don't know, like try right now, just think, meditate on this alternate reality right now with no social media, or at least not the social media platforms that you specifically listening right now that you use. What would that mean? I'm guessing it would mean, well, okay. The downside for me, when I think about it very practically, would be, okay, well, there's a lot of people out there who I'm quote unquote connected to who are complete strangers never met them in real life, but we're Facebook friends. And especially post 2020, since I unfriended at least 150 of my in real life friends who I just got fed up and sick of the, the vitriol, the hate, the ignorance, the, the yelling, the screaming, the arguing, the cussing, like just everything. I was just like, you know what? I'm probably never going to see this person anyways in real life. They're not anything of value. I don't even have that much of a personal history with them. I'm like, gone, unfriend. So I ended up kind of getting rid of a lot of people who I did meet and know in real life. And I've replaced them this past year, not with a ton of people, but maybe five to 10 to 15, maybe 20 tops new people who see the world more how I do, meaning their values are freedom. Their values are personal choice. Their values are liberty. Their values are personal responsibility. Their values are, I'm not looking to the government 
or people like Biden or Fauci or even Trump to solve all my problems, you know, because, and I've said this earlier on the podcast in another episode, like I've never really been that interested in politics my whole life. You know, I was just like a normal person, like everybody else. Election year rolls around every four years. We get all into it. We have our friends over. We play Sarah Palin VP debate bingo. We have a good time. We're like, see you later. We go vote. Whoever, you know, if, if our team won, we're happy. If not, we're bummed. Whatever. We go back to work. We go back to living our life. Everybody gets along. Kumbaya. That was me. That was most people before 2016 and 2020. Now it's a complete clusterfuck, a total shitstorm, of course. But, you know, that was then. This is now. And so it, it's weird, right? Because I'm sitting here, even as I'm talking about this, I haven't scripted this all out. I haven't planned it. I'm just thinking out loud for myself. And I'm like, these people, do I even call them friends? Do I call them allies? Like new people I've added? Because it's like, if Facebook was gone tomorrow, like, I don't even know that I would be able to find them, to reconnect with them or to meet in real life or, you know, I'm like, I don't have their email addresses. Some of them, I don't even know their real name. Some of them, I don't even know where they live, you know, but how many of your Facebook friends or your Twitter followers or people who you talk to regularly or you see their posts or they see your posts, they like this or that, like how many of them, if that platform was dead, gone, how many of them would continue to be in your life? You know, do you have enough of a, I'm just talking logistically. Is there enough of a connection there? Pragmatically speaking, like, do you at least have their email, their name, so you could contact them and still be connected if it weren't for the particular social media platform that you're connected with them through, right? These are things to think about because if the platform goes away, you would lose all those connections. And maybe some of you have spent months and years getting quote unquote deeperly, you know, deeper, more connected with certain people. But then, you know, I mean, I, I've seen this with people getting deplatformed or demonetized on YouTube, like people losing their channel for three strikes or whatever. And they had a hundred thousand followers and that was their business. And all of a sudden, they post one wrong thing and they, you know, it's, it's somebody reports them. That was mean what they said. That's hate speech. And then they're taken down and their livelihood and everything is gone, all their followers, and they have to start all over from scratch. And some of them do start all over. And while others don't, and they give up and they're like, fuck this, I'm going to go do something else. And, you know, uh, I, I, I don't know that I have had that kind of experience because like I, I don't think I mean I have a lot of followers on my confusionity right now on Instagram I think I've got like over 3,000 plus on Tumblr and Facebook or whatever um, I think I've got seven or 8,000 who like my yeah pretty much Facebook page which is a lot but I barely even post on there so it's kind of weird and when I do post, sometimes I get a lot of engagement, sometimes not. But anyway, the point is, if I lost any of these things, would I really care? Or what is it that you care about when you're using these social media platforms? These are all questions I'm just throwing out there 
you know, me thinking out loud for myself, but, you know, I've already been thinking about these things, but also for you listening right now, like how much thought have you given about whatever platform it is you're using? Like, what does it mean to you? How are you using it? Does it make you happy? Is it your only link with people out there in the real world somehow that you care about or you want to hear their voice or, you know, like... (laughs) Here's a a kind of an example of what I'm talking about is I have this friend, Laura, and we were friends back in New York and she left New York. And this was probably early, mid 2000s before Facebook really took off. And I think she might have had a Facebook account, but she lost her password or whatever. So she was never, whatever the case, she basically didn't really use Facebook. And, um, and she moved away. I think she went to Spain or somewhere else in Europe. And we were just out of touch. And we didn't have any mutual friends. So that, that was kind of it, right? Like I probably would never reconnect with her ever in life. And she was a cool person. And we had a nice friendship. And that's too bad, right? Well, at some point last year during 2020, I got an email from Laura. And... It wasn't even a regular email. It was through the contact form of my introversion site. And the crazy thing is, is I didn't have anything up on my introversion site for several years, like from 2011 to to 2020 until I launched the site again, this whole project, which has now turned into the podcast. But that was my big thing from last year. I think it was March 2020 is when I was cranking to get the project ready and I relaunched introversion for the first time in 10 years. So, you know, if you, if, if you only know about this podcast, I definitely encourage you to go actually look at the site, look at introversion.com. Cause there's at least in the past, there was a lot more there beyond just this podcast. And I'm going to get into that a little bit in the next episode. Cause I'm going to talk about introversion since that is the 50th episode. I'm going to talk about the the future of the podcast and the introversion brand in general and where we're going from here. But back to the story about Laura, it's, it's a serendipitous thing that I just happened to relaunch the introversion site. And she knew that I was that guy from introversion.com. She knew I had that site back in the day and it was important to her and me and a lot of other people. So she just randomly one day, I guess thought about me last year and went to introversion.com and lo and behold, my new site was up and she just went to contact and sent me a message through the contact form and I got it. And just like that, just like that, we were back in touch. And now we re-exchanged phone numbers, we're texting, we're, you know, we're very aligned with all these things politically and we're friends again, like very good, close friends. Um, in fact, she just came down to visit uh, a couple weeks ago and, um, you know, it was first time seeing her in over 10 years and, you know, we had a good time and, uh, you know, she's one of the few, I mean, when I meet and hang out with a human being to go do something social in 2020 and 2021, it's kind of a big deal to me because it's so rare. You know, I'm so introverted. I am okay in a way, just doing everything by myself day in and day out, just my gym and groceries routine and work on all my projects. That's great. But like, you know, it's like a, it's a special thing when I get to hang out with my cousin or a friend in town or visiting. It's like, it was great. It was wonderful. 
So, but I, I bring up that example of like introversion.com is mine. That's my domain. That is my site. And presumably, you know, unless the government takes it over or some who knows, you know, has control over freedoms, somebody takes it, they steal it from me. Barring that not happening, whatever, like introversion.com will be with me, will be mine. I've had some offers to sell it, but I always turn them down because I'm like, no, this is, it, it represents more than just, oh, that's a great domain that I got. But it's like, to me, that is my past, my present and my future. And in a sense, when I die, and this was also my thoughts a little bit with starting this podcast, you know, because, uh, you know, MGTOW realizations and getting into my 40s and getting older and jaded and disillusioned about so many things, including dating and men and women and relationships and marriage and kids. And it's only gotten worse post 2020 and 2021 in this fucked up society. But you know, I'm just like, when I think about legacy, you know, I'm like, I think about my art and I think about, you know, basically my voice, what I create, what I brought to this world, the energy, the message that I put out there. And I know it's not for everybody, you know, and I know a lot of people don't really care or appreciate what I put out there, but like whoever does care, you know, I like the thought of whatever wisdom or insights or challenges that I put to myself or other to, to other people to, to become a better version of myself or to challenge other people to, to become a better version of themselves or to live your best life or follow your heart, your passion, like be creative, like make something of yourself and not to impress other people, but just because it brings you joy. And, you know, these are the kind of themes and the, the, the meaning of life and the purpose you have here. Like, these are the kind of things I get into on the podcast. And whether it's a solo episode or I'm talking about with a guest, it's like, like even the pandemic stuff and the political stuff. Like, the reason why I talk about that stuff is for me, I see it as it's imposing its will on individuals. It is taking away personal freedoms. It is preventing people from living their life freely the way they would want to. Because that's how I felt that pressure on me. And I've had to continually bend and bow and break and flex. It just, I'm continually contorting my life under these restrictions. And there's always new things that are taking away. You can't do this now. You can't do that. Pretty soon it's going to be you can't take an Amtrak. You're going to have to go through security checkpoints. You're going to have to show your papers to do this. You can't get food from the grocery. Your social credit score is too low. Like, we don't like your political views, so you're not allowed to travel on first class or do this. Like, China, credit score, look it up. It's there. It's, it's already implemented. It's already a real thing. Again, not a conspiracy. It happens in China. Only a matter of time until it comes here. But, you know, my point is, is like, I just want people to be free to live your life the way you want to. And I also want to have that same freedom to live my life the way I want to. And to me, whether you're gay, straight, trans, whatever, like, it, it's a whole nother issue with little children who don't know anything. But like, if you're an adult and you want to do this and that, like, hey, more power to you if it's not harming anybody else, you know? You know, I just believe in freedom, you know, like I talked about with Tommy Danger before, the whole freedomism 
concept. You know, I love it. You know, personal freedom. But anyway, I've gone off on a rant here. I can't believe this episode is getting as long as it as it is. And I haven't even really gotten into the meat of social media. But I at least raised the point of, I hope I've brought you to a moment where you can at least pause and think about the role of social media in your life and think about if it's gone, you know, because, I mean, think about people in your life, right? Think about if you're your mother or your father or your sister or your best friend or whatever, like not to be morbid, not to be depressed, not to think about death and sad things, but just to think about what is in your life, who is in your life, the role they play in your life, if not just to appreciate what it is, you know, or who that person is, right? You know, maybe this is a time to just be like, wow, you know, uh, I really like that person, they're a friend, but we never hang out and we're only connected through Facebook or Twitter. Like maybe I should get their email address just in case or their phone number, right? Or maybe I should make an adventure. You know, maybe they live in one state over or in another city and maybe we should plan to meet up in real life and get a cup of coffee or grab a drink or whatever. And which kind of leads me to this adjacent point about online life versus offline life, right? Like life IRL in real life. And what I've seen with 2020 and all of these lockdowns and, and quote unquote health measures, even though the lockdowns have proven completely ineffective and WHO has also come out and said, stop the lockdowns. It is not helping anything. But all of that has sort of forced people more into you, this online life, into using social media. And, you know, this whistleblower coming out talking about girls' suicide, you know, because of body images, because of Instagram and Facebook, and they're not doing blah, blah, blah. But I'm like, you know, look at the statistics of young boys and men as well committing suicide. And I believe the number I saw, yeah, there was like there was like four times as many male suicides as female. But the story that they're bringing up with this Facebook thing is only talking about girls' suicides and body images. I'm like, well, what about all the, the boys who've committed suicide? What about their issues? But how about the boys? How about the boys? How Let's talk about all of it, right? It's not like one is more important than the other. They're both terrible things. But let's get to the root of the issue. And the, the disturbing thing to me about this whole 60 minutes thing and the fact and the, and the whistleblower and all that stuff is like, it seems like they're trying to make this case that Facebook basically needs to clamp down more on hate speech and misinformation and conspiracy theorists because that's what's leading to the real violence and the real deaths and the real catastrophe to our society. And I'm like, really? That's where you're going with this? And this is where I go back to what I was saying earlier about the early days of the internet. Early days of the internet was you have your own website and you say whatever the fuck you want to say. Conspiracy theorists, flat earth theories, this or that, whatever you want to say. Post it on your own website. And if people like it, they'll just keep coming back to your website and looking at it. And if they don't, then whatever. 
they won't look at it ever again. It's not in my field of view, whatever. So back then it was like Alta Vista and Yahoo search and all that stuff before Google, but you could, there were ways where you could just search and find what's out there on the internet. But one of the things I want to say about that, the, the early days of the internet was, especially for me as a web designer at that time, I did mostly web design professionally. And, you know, I did a lot of stuff with Flash and then Flash kind of went the way of the dodo when iPhones came out and Steve Jobs hated Flash and all this stuff. So, And, and Flash looks like a technology that had its day uh, but is really on, is waning. And HTML5 looks like the technology that's really on the ascendancy right now. Flash went bye-bye and I kind of shifted in my career at that point to focus more on animation and motion graphics and video editing. And that's still to this day most of what I do. But back to my point here, I was a web designer in the early days of the internet and I was one of those pioneers. You know, there were guys like, there were all these, there was this community of designers. There was like this guy, Mike Young from Design Graphic. There was uh, this guy, G Monk, who was doing all these awesome, just amazing animation design experiments. And there were these companies like Too Advanced and, um, there was one company I went and interviewed there. They wanted to hire me and maybe I should have worked there. I don't know, but it felt like a little bit of a sweatshop and I just felt like, nah, I don't want to do it. But yeah, I mean, there, my point here, not to totally reminisce about my own life here, but like when you, when you, if you were to go back and look at the early days of the internet, I'm talking late nineties, early two thousands what you would see is websites were actual experiences. And I'm talking about the best websites. And I'm talking about, I would look at sites that were like the hot 1000 sites or like the best web design awards and all those kind of things. FWA, I think it was stood for a favorite website award or something like that. Like that was a thing. And I would just regularly and other web designers, we would all go check, and look at like, oh, what's the cool new site of the day, right? And I remember for Introversion, I won some awards for website design back then or this other project, stuff for clients I did. And But like websites were experiences, you know? Like you would, would click around, you know, like movie websites were really cool. I mean, stuff that was done with Flash, it was like really interactive, if it was a horror movie, it would be like creepy. It was, there'd be like sound effects and you move around and things you, you navigate through rooms. And it was like, I mean, it was a good time to be an interactive web designer because it was, the shit was really interesting and you could get creative and the audience, the, the people out there, the users, the uh, people browsing the internet were it's weird, right? Because I'm talking about the early days of the internet and I mentioned earlier about Brian Gumbel and that attitude of like, ooh, scary internet, like we don't know what it is. But actually I would say in, in some ways the, the global audience out there was more savvy because there was more of an expectation of like, oh, I'm going to somebody's website. What are they doing with their website? Maybe they don't have a logo and a top nav Maybe they don't have a sidebar on the left. Maybe it's something else. How does this website work? And you would just play around and get used to it and be like, huh, that's part of the fun. That's part of the experience of like 
experiencing this website that's totally different than another website. But if you look at it now, the internet, and I'm just talking about websites here, you know, obviously if you go to Facebook, it is completely templatized. You're just filling in the content within their structured platform. Images go here, this goes there. Like it's all, everybody's Facebook profile looks exactly the same. It's just the images that are filling up the little image boxes. That's it. It's the content, but the container is the exact same for everybody. You have a masthead, a cover image you can change. That's probably the most you can customize it. You know, for those of you who use Tumblr, Tumblr used to be one of those platforms where you could really customize the experience. And sometimes people customize it really atrociously and there'd be blinking this and animated GIFs and sound playing and it was like obnoxious and whatever. But that was a thing. That was the internet back then. And now, I think technically you can still customize a lot on a Tumblr theme, but the thing is, if you open up a Tumblr website on your phone, I believe it prompts you to like, oh, you should, do you have the Tumblr app installed? Yeah, you should just open this up in there. And what happens when you open up that same site in the Tumblr app? It's just the content. It's in Tumblr's container again. And it's like, there's no, it's just, it's the same generic experience. No matter what of the millions of Tumblr sites you look at, it's really just about the content posted there. It's nothing about a unique experience about this particular user's Tumblr website. And maybe this is just a fine point that I'm going off on and like nobody really cares about this, but on a deeper level, I think there's a lot there because it kind of says that. The internet was like a weird, wacky place. It was experimental, creative things happened on the internet. And certainly they do still, but like, it just feels like this like, giant mall <laughs> you know it's just like god there's got to be there's got to be more to it than that you know i've often said that early internet was kind of the wild west and when i say that i don't mean that it was like chaotic and a bunch of alt-right white nazis murdering people and people ripping people off and abducting children and all that stuff and somehow that all went away that's not what i'm saying i'm saying it was a blank slate like if you started a website, it was a blank canvas, a blank sheet of paper, which for a lot of people, that is a scary thing. You know, a lot of people who aren't writers, who aren't artists, who aren't designers, who aren't natural creators, if you give them a blank piece of paper, they'll struggle and they'll be like, uh, I don't know what to, I don't know what to do here. Can you please give me some guidance and tell me what to put on the paper? And you want to take it to another level. Like I always hated ruled paper, like lines on the paper. And, you know, I, I, for the, for those of you who knew me from way back when who have ever seen my handwriting, I wrote really small. Like I was, I write like a super fine computer typewriter and I would write really small with my handwriting. And I, for me, I was like, why would I want to use these big, fat, wide rule lines on a notepad? You know, I don't need their lines. I can just write in a straight line myself and fit way more lines of text that I want in this space. So for me, the lines, the rules, the structure that 
the piece of paper is giving me. I was like, even that I rejected because I'm like, I don't, I don't need that structure. This goes up at a very deep level to, I think, my core essence, my personality, where I'm like, I just don't want to be told what to do. I don't want, you know, I I think that was always kind of there all along as a kid, like the rigidity, you know, I was just telling my mom the other day, like, I don't even know if she knew this about me, but I hated going to school. It didn't matter whether it was second grade or eighth grade or, I just hated going to school. And one way I would put that is, I love the summers, not because of the heat and whatever, but it just meant that was my break from school. I had three months to just do whatever the hell I wanted to do and have all my fun day in and day out. Like I just had such fond memories of just going out to play, hanging out wherever I was in Germany, in Virginia, Maryland, wherever, just like being free. And then come August, the end of August, September, I would just dread it. I would always have this dread of like, oh my God, I have to go back to school. And what is that? What is that? I, I think I just felt it as a kid and most kids probably felt similarly. Maybe it affected me more than other kids. I don't know. But like, to me, it was like, I just didn't want to go to school. It wasn't about learning because I love to learn. Like I learned so much more outside of school since I graduated. Going back to social media platforms, I spend most of my time on YouTube. YouTube, the way I use YouTube, yeah, I have my guilty pleasures here and there. I love my K-pop, this and that. I'm in love with Choa. And all this stuff from AOA. But like a lot of it is interviews, and it kind of varies season to season, but a lot of it is like, I, I remember last year I was watching a lot of videos on Stoicism, right? So I'm learning all this stuff about ancient Greek philosophy, Stoicism, Marcus Aurelius, like, you know, Socrates, Aristotle, Plato. Have you ever heard of Plato, Aristotle, Socrates? Yes. Morons. Like just all this stuff. And whatever your interest is, science or art, design, math, that's the other thing. I'm always looking up tutorials. Like last year I learned WordPress, you know, and there's always more to learn with like Photoshop skills, illustrator skills, video editing skills. My next thing that I want to delve deeper in is cartooning. Like I want to learn Adobe Character Animator. And I learned Ableton Live back in 2019, but that's like light years away now. So now I need to go through Ableton Live tutorials again and learn it all over. But the point is, I love to learn. I have a hunger to learn and to to be more wise and to expand my vocabulary and just like, I want to be better and improve myself in all these different ways. But that was not what school was for me. School was a very rigid set of rules. It was authoritarian from teachers. They tell you to do this. You finish your test. They tell you, okay, shut up, put your head down on your desk and just sit there for the next 25 minutes until everybody else is done. This is literally what teachers would tell you to do. And I'm like, I would just comply because what else are you going to do? I don't want to get in trouble. So I put down my head down on my desk for 25 minutes. And I'm like, wow, what a waste of 25 minutes of my life. I could have done something else, especially when I was young, had all that energy, could have done anything. 
You know, but that's just one little example, but there's so many examples. And maybe you see where I'm going here with this. It's not completely arbitrary that I'm bringing this up because whether it is websites, social media, education, the schools, all of these things, it's always kind of repulsed me on some level because it's so rigid. It's so conformist. It's so like, okay, just use the platform like everybody else uses it. And it, it blows my mind to this day when I get these YouTube videos, like these emails, and they're like, here's here's the tip. Listen to this YouTuber or listen to this YouTube-sanctioned uh, content creator that we approve of. Listen to their five tips on how to be creative and how to get more views and how to da 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 And then I would see uh, YouTubers talking about the new Instagram algorithm. And they're like, hey, guys, blah, blah, blah. Just want to let you know. Here's the scoop, the new Instagram algorithm, it's changed. Your videos, your views are going to go way down. Stay tuned to watch my video, and then they, and I'm going to tell you how to win at the new algorithm. And then they play their little tacky intro, and then it's like, hey guys, Jake here, or Mike here, or Sarah here, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And then they repeat themselves, and they tell you, okay guys, here's what you got to do now to get views on Instagram. Do this. Hashtag this. Don't use the same hashtags. Make sure you do this. Mix it up like that. Make sure you do this. Make sure you do that. Like, for any of you who are listening to this, this might be complete news to you. But if you're a content creator and you're always trying to get more views on your art or your photography or whatever your business, whatever you're doing, you've probably seen these same videos that I'm talking about. And I would watch some of those back in the day, back when I quote unquote cared. But... I just reached a point where I was just like, fuck this, you know? Creativity is not about being told how to be creative. True creativity is more about blotting out all of the conformist messages of people telling you what to think, how to feel, how to be, how to exist. Fit your content into this box. We've already designed the box for you. Just stick your stuff in there and that's that. That's quote unquote creativity. I say fuck that. That is not what it means to be creative. Create, And I'm not going to tell you what it means to be creative. That's up to you, the individual. It's up to me to take my life experience and use my mind creatively and come up with an idea and to me, you know, for those of you who know me, and I've probably mentioned this at some point, I have documents full of ideas. I have a long scrolling page that I've jotted down ideas for stand-up comedy bits for the last 10, 15 years. It's endless. I could scroll forever, all these ideas. And God forbid if I die and I never even tried doing stand-up comedy and I never tried to bring all my stand-up comedy material to fruition, that would be a great tragedy to me. But like, I have stand-up comedy ideas, I got film ideas, I got drawing ideas, art ideas, spoof ideas, music ideas, album, band name ideas. Like, I'm always overflowing with ideas, like too many ideas, that's my problem. And it, it's a magical thing though, right? Because I'm like, where do these ideas come from? I don't know, right? It's a mystery, it's magical. But these ideas quote-unquote pop into my head or whatever and I'm like huh that would be great that's a great idea I've never seen that before 
I've never seen a video of that. I've never seen somebody do it in exactly this way. Huh, I need to make that. And of course, I never have time to sit down and do it immediately, so I jot it down on my list. And I have all these ideas. But if you have an alternative definition of creativity, lay it on me, please. You know, shoot me the email, podcast at introversion.com, or comment in the comment section down below on YouTube. Tell me what your views are on creativity. You know, if it's something different than what I'm describing. Because to me, creativity is within yourself. You come up with an original idea. It doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't even matter if it's a good idea. It's an idea that is unique to you. And, and talent and execution, that's a whole nother ball game. Some people have natural talent. Other people have more training, so to speak, in you know graphic software or music software or whatever. For some people, they can get all the training in the world, but they don't have the natural talent. So they won't really ever graduate beyond mediocrity. You know? But for other people, they have a lot of natural talent, but they don't do anything with it because they're lazy or they're a pothead, or, or they're stuck in a corporate job because society or their parents have pressured them into doing what is responsible and whatever. Like, I don't know. Everybody's got their own story. But yeah, I'm realizing now I have totally, it's all kind of relevant, but I've really drifted away from the social media topic. But, but I love this. I love, I love, I don't know if you love it, but I love the flow of just how my mind and I'm putting all these things together. I'm just free flowing here. I'm just freestyling, just going over here, talking about this because to me though, this is really important, you know? And it's weird because I've often wondered like, is everybody creative? Another way of thinking about it is I remember having this conversation with the, with a friend back in New York, like maybe 10 years ago. And I remember posing this question, like, do you think, Everybody is interesting. Basically, do you think every human being has an interesting story? It's just we don't know their story, right? But if you went around and asked everybody their life story or if you asked them to tell me your story, like who are you, what is that everybody is inherently interesting or unique or has some special sauce or special story or talent or something to share. I remember asking that question and to different people back then. And, and I even kind of wavered on the subject. And nowadays, I don't know. Maybe I'm way more jaded now, but I feel like I don't think necessarily everybody is all that interesting by default. You know, because sometimes I try to talk to people, whether they're strangers or whatever, I ask them their story or what, it, and it's like they got nothing to say. And, or this stuff they say just sounds really fucking boring to me. Like, oh, you know, uh, I like the local sports team. I go to my job and, uh, I like to party on the weekends and uh, I like my cat and I don't like my job, but it pays the bills and uh, yeah, that's it. Uh, it, it, it. 
I know people like this and I meet people like this and I'm just like, wow, you know, God, I think back to some girls I actually went on dates with a long time ago and it was like pulling teeth, trying to find something interesting and redeeming about them. And I'm just like, wow. Yeah. So I, I just don't know, you know, I just don't know about people and and I'm not even saying that everybody has to be creative. And, and I think in a way that's part of the problem with social media and stuff now, kind of bringing it back to social media, is that it's kind of made everybody into a quote-unquote creator, into a content creator. Regardless of your level of talent or how insightful you are or whether you're good with a camera or whether you can draw or whatever... Everybody and their grandmother is a content creator now. And what does that do? That super saturates the market, right? So when everybody and everything is quote unquote important and valuable, in a sense, that makes everything unimportant and not valuable. If that makes sense, just think about it. You know, it's like you might think, oh, Somebody who has a million dollars is rich, okay? Well, then let's give every person on the planet a million dollars, right? Problem solved, right? No, because now it doesn't matter that you have a million dollars because everybody has a million dollars. So you're no better off than when you had one dollar and everybody else around you had one dollar. So, I mean... This is where we start to get into inflation and the complete devaluing of our currency and all this stuff. But like, I'm not, I'm not going to get into that. But I just brought that as up as an example. Just something I was thinking about earlier today is like, as an actual content creator. I mean, imagine if there were only one thousand podcasts out there, and mine was one of the one thousand. I think this podcast would speak to a lot more people. And, and I, I say this kind of from personal experience because in the early days of the internet, there weren't as many websites out there. And there certainly weren't visual design, animation, photo blogs doing what I was doing in the early 2000s. Blogging was just starting out then, but people wrote on their blogs. You know, I remember Tommy Danger, who I've had on the podcast many times, he, he, he used to tell me about, uh, he was on, what was that platform? There's a lot of Asian kids on there. Um, fuck, it had an X in it. Oh, this is going to kill me. I can't remember the name of it. Z- I want to say Xanax. It's not Xanax. Xenophobe Z Cities. It wasn't GeoCities. It was... Uh, Oh my God, I can't believe I can't remember this. Fuck. All right, so I'm not going to be able to remember the name of it, but I will I will put a visual of it to overlay with my forgetfulness here. But the name of that platform, uh, unless it comes to me. So anyway, Tommy had a site up in that community of sites and and he wrote, you know, and he had a blog called Just Call Her and that was a thing. And But like, it was great, but all these people were blogging. All these people specifically became writers. 
and that was kind of the thing to do. But I was like, I knew I was not a writer. To this day, I'm not a writer. I don't like writing. I just, I was, I'm a visual guy and an audio visual guy. And I want to get better at the audio. Like I said, I want to be getting better at making music. But like, mostly I was a visual guy. And that's what introversion was in the early days of the internet is instead of just writing, I would take my little bits of writing, but make it interactive with Flash. And it was photos and video and my day-to-day life, but like a little vlog before a vlog was even a thing. Like before people even knew what that was, like that was what introversion was in the early days. And, um, man, it's crazy. I lost my thought mostly cause I was trying to think of the name of that platform. That really sucks. So I totally lost my train of thought there, but, um, I should really probably start to wrap this up because I'm actually touching on the history of introversion, which I didn't really want to do for this episode because I'm probably going to touch on this in the next episode. But consider that a little bit of a teaser into the next episode, which I will be posting very soon before I go on this trip south. But yeah, let me bring it back here to social media and let's kind of wrap this up. So I guess I still feel like there's a lot of things I want to say that I didn't really say about social media and the culture and the mindset and all this stuff. But maybe I will do a part two of this episode at some point down the road. But bringing it back to social media, let me just touch on the points I brought up earlier today. And let's just, let me leave you with that. You know, I brought up the question of what social media means to you, right? Regardless of what platform you use. How do you use it? What does it mean to you? And I want to push it a little bit further on that. And basically say, like, think about your life without it, which is what I was saying earlier. And think about how your life could be better without it. Because it's an assumption, a reasonable assumption to think the reason why you use these platforms, why you use Facebook or Twitter, is because it adds something to your life, right? Right? But I think that's something you really got to think about. Is it adding more to your life than it's taking away from you? And, and when I say taking away from you, I mean it's taking away your time. It is kind of sucking your attention, right? Like that is what big tech and these platforms do is they want your eyeballs. They want you looking at what they want you to look at. If something is a tool, it genuinely is just sitting there waiting patiently. If something is not a tool, it's demanding things from you. It's seducing you. It's manipulating you. It wants things from you. And we've moved away from having a tools-based technology environment to an addiction and manipulation-based technology environment. That's what's changed. Social media isn't a tool that's just waiting to be used. It has its own goals and it has its own means of pursuing them by using your psychology against you. You know, and and this has been my complaint about Facebook primarily is that when Facebook first came out and I was using it, I, I loved it. And I loved it because it actually connected me with people, you know? Like I wasn't in the same physical space with people every second, but I could post about a thought that I had or an insight, or I just saw this show or this movie or whatever. And, 
immediately people who I know would see it and click like and comment and be like, oh yeah, I just saw that movie. What'd you think about this scene? And and we'd just go back and forth and we would have little conversations in public on my Facebook wall back then. And it was great. It was great. And the only notifications I would get is not when somebody posted something on some group that I loosely belong to out there or whatever, which is what notifications are now, which is further aggravating and kind of pathetic in a way. It's like, wow, you know, like if I do a Facebook post and I say something and I check back a few hours later and then the little notification tab is lit up and I'm like, oh, did somebody comment or like what I posted? And I go a click on it and it's like, no, no notifications about anything, about anybody interacting with what you posted. But Joe Schmo posted in the, uh, and the ex-Christians group, something, go check that out. And, oh, this other person posted something over in this page, go check that out. I'm like, that's what qualifies as a notification these days? And that's when I really just start to feel like, and again, this is just me personally with Facebook, but as a content creator, like, and actually my next tattoo I want to get is input output. So I want to do like an I and an O on the back of my legs. And, you know, my, my first tattoo, for those of you who don't know, it's bittersweet. And cause that's the one word I would sum up life in is bittersweet. Um, but the next tattoo I want to get is the I and the O for input output, because to me, that's also kind of this yin yang thing of like, I, for me, I am. I feel the best when I have a nice sort of yin-yang balanced experiential portfolio of input and output. And what I mean by that is if I spend too much time with the input, like if I just laid on the couch all day and binge watched however many shows or videos and that's it, just sat on the couch and ate and watched, just took it all in input. At the end of the day, I'd feel like a complete slob. I'd feel like, man, I don't feel that great. But if I watch a little bit, like I'm watching Squid Game right now, which is really interesting, and probably after my trip, when I finish Squid Game, I will probably do an episode on that to uh, break it down, my thoughts on it. But if I watch an episode of Squid Game and I get inspired and then I go do some kind of video or I make some kind of you know, a podcast episode about it or I make some music inspired by it or something like that, then it's cool. You know, then I go to bed feeling like, all right, I got a little bit of input and I, I got some output. Like I took stuff in and I output, right? I mean, I hate to put it in these crude terms, but it's kind of like eating food and taking a shit or whatever. It's like you, you don't just keep taking in food and drink, like you have to expel it, like it goes through your body, processes it, and then you spit it out the other end or whatever, right? Like it's crude, but it's a metaphor for like the same thing I'm talking about. Like, and this might be a universal principle. Maybe it's just me, but I just feel like whether you're a super creative person or not, like I think the healthiest balance for people to have is input, output, you know? You read a book, you watch a movie, do you just sit there and like, okay. Or do you absorb that book or the ideas and the, or the film or whatever it is, 
Do you absorb it? And then you're like, huh, let me go talk with my buddy about that. And then you, you bounce it off them. And ideally, they've also read the book because otherwise you're just telling them about it. But what I find even more of an exciting dynamic is if they've also watched the show or read the book because then you can go back and forth and hear their take on it. And you can share some insights that you had that they didn't think about it that way. And it's a beautiful thing, that back and forth, right? So even if you're not like a content creator or a creative person putting it out there, like there's still that element of input output, right? It's a beautiful thing. But what I'm realizing now with Facebook, for me in particular, and social media in general, like I post a tweet and, you know, granted, I haven't been tweeting as Jake Haslow for a little while because somewhere along the lines earlier this year, I decided like, I'm not going to start posting on Jay Caslow again, my personal Twitter account, which is my main Twitter account, but I'm not going to start posting there again regularly until I get my Jay Caslow site up, which is basically going to be all about design, all about creativity, all about type and fonts and animation, and non-controversial, just cool, creative, fun, artsy, designerly stuff. So, because that will be on brand, but all of these quote unquote controversial thoughts I have about government politics, I'm not going to talk about that stuff anymore in Jay Caslow. So I haven't really had reason to post there in a while, but again, I mentioned earlier, like I might start posting on Instagram and Twitter again there once I get this up and running, but whatever I have now, let's say the I am introversion Twitter account, I'm like, okay. Um, when I post episodes, podcast episodes from here, it auto populates to my Twitter account there. And, uh, other than that, if I have a quirky thought or inspiring thought or a random thought, I will post it on that Twitter for I am introversion. And, um, you know, as long as it's generally relevant to, you know, life and society and happiness and all these things, the themes of introversion. And, uh, yeah, I was going to say, God bless, uh, Francis, because <laughs> he's like, the best, right? Like he's, he's like, he reminds me of why I would even bother to tweet anymore because he'll like a tweet that I tweet and retweet sometimes. And I'm like, wow, what a concept. Cause I feel like that used to happen like 10, 12 years ago on my main account. I would tweet all kinds of things like a joke, a thought, a random this or that, a link, and people would retweet, people would like it. People would follow me out of the blue. And then I would go look at their profile and they seem like an interesting person. I'd follow them back. And then we'd have a little chit chat about movies or life or anything. It was like, it was great back in the day. Now it's literally like my Twitter experience is if Francis likes something that I post or Tommy Danger. If I send Tommy Danger a tweet, I think he'll see it. And if he laughed at it, he'll click like or something. But I don't even know how much he sees my tweets, you know, but maybe he just sees it or maybe he just uses Twitter to post and not so much look at what I'm posting. I don't know. It's up to every person individually how they want to use Twitter or Facebook, whatever. But like, I'm just saying from my perspective, it's like, I'm just throwing these little gold nuggets of insight or wisdom or whatever with Twitter or Facebook and just throwing it out there into the ether. And for the most part, nobody responds. Nobody likes it. Nobody retweets it. Nobody follows 
or unfollows either. It's really this weird, it's really a strange thing when you think about it. Not that I want people to unfollow me, but it is kind of strange to me that I haven't posted in almost a year on my Jay Caslow Instagram account. And my follower count has remained exactly the same. Like I've been at about 460, I think, followers, between 450 and 460. And basically, if I was posting new drawings and art and animation every day, which I used to do, once that change in the algorithms hit and all that, I wasn't getting any growth, no new followers. And I was like, huh, it wasn't like the good old days. So those YouTubers and people say, you know, the key to growth is make sure you post consistently. And I'm like, well, that's obviously bullshit because I was posting every day and I used to get 80 likes or 100 likes and new followers. And then all of a sudden, nope, just stuck at 455 followers. And now the, the likes were dwindling down from 80 to 50 to 20. And I don't think I finished that story earlier, but when I said kind of why I stopped posting on Instagram, I said I used to feel good right before I went to bed. I would post and get those likes coming in and new followers. And then I wake up, I check my phone, and it's like, oh, cool. Another 70 people liked it, and I got 10 new followers. Great. It's a great feeling to end the day and to start the day, right? But then it became depressing to me because I'd go to bed, and I'm like, I wait half an hour, like, two people liked it after I posted my new drawing or whatever. And then I go to bed and it's like, uh, okay, three more people liked it. And oh, great. I actually lost a follower. Fantastic. So basically I went to bed on a bad note and I woke up to a bad note. And eventually I was just like, what the fuck is this? You know? And I, I felt like at that moment, I could go look up these YouTubers talking about the new Instagram algorithm and I could listen to them tell me, you need to jump through this hoop, you need to jump through that hoop, you need to make sure you post at these times of day and use these keywords and blah, blah, blah. I could do that. And maybe to keep my likes and followers up to a certain amount. And then Instagram would change their algorithms and, gonna, and there's going to be a new new hoops for me to jump through. And I'm like... I don't want to play that game. I don't want to play that game. Jumping through hoops. Because to me, at that point, I'm a slave to the social media platform. I'm a slave to the algorithm. You know, I got to play these fun little baby games. She's playing fun little baby games. She don't know me. You know, just this, this bullshit. And I'm like, I'm not going to play that game. And I think especially this past year, since I stopped posting on Instagram, it's like, don't get me wrong. Like I miss it. I miss that feeling I used to have of like just being able to create something that I'm proud of and be like, wow, this is a cool little clever illustration or cartoon or whatever. Like what Beeple posts. I don't know if you guys know who Beeple is, but like he posts really cool, edgy, fun, creative stuff every day. And it's amazing. But just like that, like I was also in that rhythm and wanted to do stuff like that. But when I was doing that and I'm like, he gets a hundred thousand likes and getting more and more and more followers. And I'm like, you know, it would be an interesting experiment if I literally just lifted posts from the top artists and created a mirror account. And the fact that the mirrored account wouldn't get, it's the same content, 
But if people didn't even know which one was the real one or not, it's almost like one account is grandfathered into success and some new other account is doomed to failure. You know, I don't know. It's just an idea for an experiment. I don't even care that much to do that experiment. But you see what I'm saying. Like, I reached that point now. Where I'm like, I don't even care anymore about the likes, about the followers. Like, it would be nice if it just happened organically. And I'm glad at least to kind of bring this back around to the social media thing. Because I mean, there's a lot of angles and a lot more things I could say about this. But let me just kind of bring it back to that and say, like, I have been disillusioned and disgruntled with social media. And I'm realizing the input-output balance is not there for me with Facebook. I feel like if I want to get that notification bell lit up, it has to be me commenting on somebody I know who has way more followers and interaction on their page. And they post all the stuff. And I'm just one of the commenters, and I can comment on that. And they'll click like or comment back on their page. And if I post the same stuff on my page, it's crickets, or like literally the same five people who are good friends, but like the same five people who interact with stuff that I post. And I'm like, I, I just don't know about that anymore. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm just not sure about that right now. You know, I, I don't think that's not cutting it for me anymore. Like, I may as well just text those five friends the GIF or the meme or, or whatever it is I wanted to say. Just, you know, and interestingly enough, I was thinking about this earlier today uh, about Telegram, you know, and maybe this will be a shift for me to start using Telegram more, not just chatting with Brian and JR my good buddies, but, uh, and a couple other friends, but maybe I create a channel, but I don't know, just kind of something for me to consider. And I hope, you know, I hope you're not listening to this and just feeling like this is a total meaningless ramble session, because I think this was good for me to say some things and to reflect on my journey and, and my use of social media and the internet over the years. And how it's evolved and where it's at now and how I'm disgruntled and disillusioned with the state of social media now. And I, for one, like I'm saying, like I am not okay with this status quo, you know, the more, and not even for the one day with Facebook being down, but last week, I think it was, I went for a spell there where I really didn't even check or use Facebook at all for a couple of days. And I was like, I was much happier on those days. And that's the thing. I think it's a universal principle for all of us, right? Like, don't we all just want to be happy? Don't we all want to be heard? Don't we all want to be respected? Don't we all want to be connected? Like feeling connected with other human beings? I think it's pretty universal to say that, you know? And I think... Although Facebook helped simulate that effect of feeling connected to people we know, and maybe with Twitter there was more opportunity to connect with people we didn't actually know yet, like 2007, 2010, back then, it was a great thing, these platforms, because they were connecting people. 
even amongst your own social network or with strangers. But it was kind of like, all right, more people coming into the fold, you know, and you can get more of a variety of perspectives and friends and potential lovers and all these people out there. It was kind of a beautiful thing. But I, I don't think it's a reach at all for me to say, like, we have drifted so far away from that now. And again, I don't know if this is just me. Am I completely disillusioned with social media? But is for you guys listening now, do you love it? Is Facebook and Twitter, are these platforms making your life so much better? Do you enjoy using them every day? Because if you do, good for you. Like, if you have some insights to share, tell me. Because I'm like, maybe I'm totally missing out on some way to naturally enjoy these platforms. But from my perspective, I just feel like it drains me every day. And um, it's not fun for me anymore. And it's gotten to the point where I'm like, like I'm in a one Facebook group called incredibly strange films. I'm in another Facebook group called conservative atheists. You know, then there's some other groups that are all about freedom and libertarianism and all this stuff. And I'm like, I like these groups, but more and more, for whatever reason, due to censorship or COVID restrictions or geographical limitations or whatever, or like imagine I'm connecting with people in the Incredibly Strange Films group and we're connecting on the level of a film and then all of a sudden they say one thing about their political views or their fear of COVID or their, their disdain for these morons who are not getting vaccinated. I then have a choice to either engage with that person who I don't know, total stranger off the internet, and try to convince them like, hey, just because you're unvaccinated doesn't mean you're a moron. And then all these other people will jump on and also call me a moron or whatever. And it's just like just knowing that it has the potential for that whole just path of garbage it makes me just not even want to engage, you know? And I find myself lately, however little that I use Facebook, like if I'm just using the bathroom or whatever, but like I find that I just scroll and I'm like, huh, that's funny. Click ha ha. I scroll down. I'm like, okay, I like this perspective. I want to support that. I click like and I scroll down and that's it. That's it. So obviously that is all on the input side of things and there's no output there because I'm not even posting anything to the platform. I'm not getting anything off my chest. I'm not commenting. I'm not expressing myself. I'm not posting on my wall, nothing like I'm not adding anything to the conversation. There's no output there from me. So it's just input. And like I said earlier, like it just leaves me feeling dissatisfied and, um, yeah, I'm just, uh, I'm kind of over it. So anyway, um, I've said a couple little points here from the social dilemma documentary. There were some really good quotes in there that are relevant to today's discussion a little bit, but I didn't get too deep into that documentary. So this episode wasn't really quite that, um, I think this episode has turned out to be mostly me ranting about how social media has become, I guess I could say toxic, but it's it's not even so much that it's become toxic for me. It's just become kind of worthless, you know, because it doesn't even 
satisfy my ego with likes. It doesn't connect me with other people. You know, I don't meet new people. And even the people who feel like allies to me online, when I posted the Henrik episode where I, you know, was, was a solid debate and I put everything I had on the table to express all my views against the vaccine mandates and all this stuff. And, and I messaged a few of those new friends that I don't know yet. I messaged some of them, a link to the podcast. I was like, hey, check this out. Like, you know, this was me making my best case, you know. And I think I made a lot of good points in there. And I was just like, just listen to it. Let me know what you think. Or if you think it's, I made a good case, then share it, you know, share it around. I'd love for more people. I mean, I put the time into it. It was a three hour conversation plus all the research I did. Like I, I felt proud of that, that I created and put it out there. But with these people, these new friends of mine, I shared it with them and I was like, it was kind of crickets. They didn't post it anywhere. They didn't really seem to share it with anybody. They didn't even say, hey, great job, or I listened to it, or nothing. So that was a little bit sobering. That was a little bit of a wake-up call of like, all right, are these people real? I mean, yeah, ideologically speaking, we're allied, but how much are these people really in my life? Or how much do they really care about who I am and what I'm doing? Or how much of a connection do we really have? Or is it just this digital illusion of a connection? And that's one way of summing up what I think all of this is now with Facebook. It's like it's been, and, and other forms of social media, other platforms, it's, it's been a replacement for real human connection. And the more I think about it, and the more I think you should think about it, it's not cool. It's not cool. It's not healthy. It's not making you happier. Certainly not making me happier. I can just speak for myself. But ask yourself, like, is it is if it is making you happier or not? Because, again, like what's brought up in the Social Dilemma documentary, like when they start showing all these statistics of suicides, and I don't care if you're a teen girl or a teen boy or whatever, but I did see statistics that were like the more that kids and college students, whatever... The more they use Facebook, the more hours, the more depressed they are, you know, and that is just the data speaking and you can go around and talk to kids and people and if they give you an honest answer, they're struggling, you know, and, you know, I've said in recent episodes, like, I feel sorry for kids nowadays, like, as if things weren't bad enough with this whole internet culture and sort of this autistic, very awkward lack of social skills that Gen Z and people have where everybody's faces are glued to their phones and people don't make eye contact and people don't really connect on deeper levels. It's all about likes and followers and ego. And and, and if you don't have that, then you feel destroyed. You feel desperate. You feel lonely. You feel depressed and suicidal and these kids and people acting out like killing themselves because they don't feel loved. They don't feel appreciated. They don't feel respected. They don't feel worthy, you know, and where is that all coming from? You know, I think this is the innate human desire that everybody has that desire to be loved and accepted and appreciated, respected. And, 
and people, I, my theory, and I think the evidence kind of shows it, is that people are not getting that in real life. So especially post-2020 with all these lockdowns and shit. Like, so they're replacing their means of satisfying that fundamental human longing with this digital construct of social media. And it just doesn't deliver. Or it delivers for a few people, a few successful people who have a million followers and they have sponsors and for them, good for them. But it seems like, and I've heard stories, like even with some of the more successful ones, they're stressed out and they often get angry and miserable and hurt or like because some drama might happen or they say the wrong tweet or they do the wrong thing and all of a sudden there's an angry mob at their door and they're being canceled. You know, and then it's like they're done, they're over. Everybody hates them just like that. And I'm like, what kind of life is that? What kind of existence is that? Like, even if you have a million followers, what does it really mean? You know, it might mean, okay, more views, which means more dollars. So you can make a living doing that. Fine. But I've seen these YouTubers, you know, and Instagram thoughts and whatever. Like I've seen these girls, like people losing their minds, people crying when there's some internet drama. And I'm like, this is not right. Like people just seem unhinged. And it's not about whether you only have five followers or you have five million followers. Like, and I think a big part, I mean, it's a multifaceted problem, as Jordan Peterson would say, like everything, it's multivariable, multifaceted, of course. But like, I just think a big part of it is the role of social media in our lives, in our lives. And, and we need to start taking it more seriously. We need to, we need to be more proactive about it. And, and I'm talking about whether you're a parent, whether you're a kid yourself, like whether you're 16 years old and listening to this podcast right now, like maybe this is a challenge for you to actually stop and think at a younger age, like what the hell am I doing with my time and my life on my phone, using these apps, using these platforms? Like, is this making me a better person? Is it making me happier? Is it fulfilling my desires? Is it, is it even satisfying my ego in any real way? Is it doing any of these things? Ask yourself that question honestly. And uh, yeah, I'm curious. I'm always curious about what other people are thinking and feeling and experiencing. I'd love to hear firsthand accounts. So yeah, like I mentioned, if you have any thoughts on this, I've said a lot today. I can't believe how long this episode ended up being. I thought this was going to be a, a quickie for sure. But um, yeah, if you've listened this far, kudos to you. Thanks for listening. As always, I'd love to hear your thoughts. You know, drop your comments in the comments section below if you're watching on YouTube. Uh, and of course, click subscribe if you want to hear more, if you want to see more of these videos. Uh, coming up next is the 50th episode of the Introversion Podcast. So it's a milestone for me. Um, I It has been quite a journey this past year, 50 episodes, and uh, I'm going to get into that in great detail in the next episode. And a look back and kind of evaluating where we're at now and what my plans are moving forward. And uh, it is my intention to announce, to finally announce the 
the other project that I have been alluding to in recent weeks. So I'm hoping when I do post the 50th episode, I will finally announce that and share that with everybody. So I'm super excited about that one. And uh, yeah, but uh, that's all for now. Anti-social media or anti-social media, whichever, however you want to read it. That has been my thoughts, uh, my very lengthy thoughts. So yeah, that's it for now. All right, later, bye. Today's episode is brought to you by Matlock. Matlock! Hey, you. Yes, you. I just wanted to say thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode and would like to hear more, hit that subscribe button on whatever platform you're currently listening on. That way you can obviously get notified as soon as new episodes arrive. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please leave a five-star rating and consider writing a brief review. It just takes a second And it really helps in order to get this podcast ranking higher so that more people can discover it. And the better this podcast is doing, the more prominent guests we can get on the show, and also the more time I can devote to it, which means more episodes and better episodes. And speaking of better episodes, what would you like to see more of on the show? Are there specific topics you'd love to see covered? Do you have thoughts of your own on the subjects discussed today? I'd love to hear from you. Just shoot an email to podcast at introversion.com. Or you can reach out to me on social media. I'm Jay Caslow on pretty much every platform, Twitter, Instagram, and the rest. And last but not least, if you've been enjoying listening to the podcast and also checking out the daily blog at introversion.com, I invite you to visit patreon.com slash introversion, where you can become an official introversion patron for as little as $3 a month. That's literally 10 cents a day. Anyway, just consider it. Otherwise, Just click like, share this podcast with friends and family who you think would enjoy it. Anyway, have a good one. Until next time.